Lord bless you guys. Thank you all for coming and thank you all for being a part of what God is doing. We just finished up going through the book of Malachi and I really hope that you enjoyed that. I know that it was a different book, a different kind of book. It's not something that we're used to in the church uh, here in America. We really don't talk about these type of things, about the prophets, about what they said. Maybe we talk about the prophets and how they relate to Jesus, which is great. But we just saw with the book of Malachi, we saw how this prophet said some weird things to to the Israelites because of what they were doing and how the Israelites had dishonored God. And it it is pretty weird, especially when we compare it to the New Testament, when we compare it to Luke and, and the stories about Jesus. Those, you know, they they sound better, they seem better, but while the New Testament, while the books in the New Testament and the books of the Old Testament are different, they are still similar. They're still part of this bigger story. They're still part of what we call the Bible. The Bible, as we all know, is a book that is made up of 66 different books. And each of these books, like Malachi, like Luke, they, they are different. But they all come together. And they're, they're connected in purpose. And they, they want to accomplish the purpose of the entire Bible. Here at Encounter Church, we believe that we are called to make students, to disciple students of the Bible. Because we believe that the Bible is the Word of God. And not just one verse, although we believe that one verse is God's total word. We, we believe that the entire Bible, the entire story is God's word. So the words of Malachi are as important as the words of Luke. Maybe you remember me talking back, way back, maybe back in August when I talked about the kingdom. And I used this term to talk about Biblical theology, biblical theology, I use that term. And biblical theology, to an extent, is a response to what we all do, especially if we're early Christians. We look at the Bible, and the Bible here, my Bible, uh, maybe you have a different Bible, but my Bible uh, has over a thousand pages, and most Bibles have over a thousand pages. Bibles are... Pretty big. They look impenetrable. We rarely read a book that has over a thousand pages. But yet the Bible is one of those books. And it's just, you you start reading from Genesis and you try to read it as a typical book. Starting in the beginning, going to the very end. And it's just a very hard book to read. So what do we do instead? We look at a certain book, maybe a book that's more that's, that's easier to read, like Mark or like John or the Psalms. All of them are great books. Or we look at one verse here or another verse there, and, and we make that our life verse, which isn't bad. But when we start doing that, when we look at one verse here or another verse here, when we try to find golden nuggets and like, oh, let me see what God is saying in this verse or in this other verse, we, we miss what God is saying in the overall picture of the scriptures. 
Yes, the Bible is composed of many verses, but these verses make up the entire Bible, and they're telling us a story. The Bible is a big book. It's 66 books, and they are all different. But at the same time, these books, Malachi, Luke, these are books that we have covered, they are united within the Bible. The Bible is theologically unified. It's historically rooted. There's history that's taking place within the book, the the Bible. It's not just like random stories. No, there's a history that's taking place. And it's progressively unfolding and leading us to the person of Jesus Christ. Every verse leads us to Jesus Christ in one way or another. And you you might remember this image, this picture that I painted back in the kingdom theme. Um, I didn't really show a picture, but here's a picture of uh, Yosemite. And hopefully you could think of this. Hopefully you've gone and you could see it in the screen, actually. Hopefully we could get it up there. Uh, The picture, the second picture slide. Yeah, there we go. Um, But yeah, Yosemite and when we do about when we do biblical theology, um, what we're doing is we're looking at the entire picture. You might think of when we did the kingdom theme. What we did is we we looked at the mountains and we looked at the trees. Maybe not so much in detail, but we looked at these different uh, elements that make up this picture. When we looked at Luke, it's like we focus on one of the mountains. When we looked at Malachi, Malachi is pretty small. It's like we focused on some of the trees down there. But, you know, to appreciate the entire picture, we do need to appreciate these different elements. But sometimes if we just focus on a mountain or focus on a tree, we may miss this overall picture. If we just say that all there is to the Bible is a mountain, All there is to the Bible is Luke. It's like we're saying all there is to this picture is this mountain. But no, there's this entire story that is taking place. We need to look at these different elements. Yes, we need to look at the mountains. We need to look at the trees. But we need to see how they relate to one another. If we just focus on one verse... Say it's John 3.16 or Acts 2.38. And we just focus on that verse. It's as if we focus on one of the leaves of the tree and say that that's all that there is. But no, that leaf is related to everything. And it's fine to focus on that leaf of a tree. It's really hard to see on this slide. But we need to see how it relates to the overall picture. There's an entire picture The Bible is painting this big picture. And in our time together today, I want to finish off our study within the book of Malachi by seeing how the book of Malachi relates to the entire Bible. And there are many ways that the book of Malachi relates to the entire Bible. I originally had 10 ways that the book of Malachi relates to the entire Bible, but that was too long, so I shrunk it into two ways. But then I realized that was still too long, so I only have one way now, and that is through the name. name. 
So today we are going to see how Malachi, by how Malachi deals with this idea of name, this theology of name, how that, this theology relates to this entire picture, name. We know that Malachi focused on the name of God. Maybe you remember when I talked about the priests, the religious leaders, how they were supposed to honor God's name, but they had dishonored God's name because they brought sacrifices. It's seeing how Malachi interacts with God's name and how it relates with the entire scriptures. And the priests, they had dishonored God's name. So the word name, the Hebrew word for name is Hashem, or that means Ha is the, Shem is name. And Hashem means the name, and in Greek, the word is onomata. These two words in Hebrew and Greek, they, mean, they, they appear over a thousand times within the Bible. Name appears over a thousand times within the Bible. Evidently, this word, Hashem in Hebrew and onomata in Greek, this word is super important in the Bible, and it's super important in ancient times. It may not be as important nowadays, but it was important. It was super important. Names nowadays, we just use it to label people. We, we may sometimes look up what our names mean. We may say, oh, you know, what does my name Daniel mean? And we look it up and then think it's super neat. We're like, oh, cool. But we don't think too much about the meaning of names. This was not the case in the ancient world. Names had a, a deeper meaning. Names didn't only serve as a label, but they also served as, as, give, as giving character, as characterizing a specific person. A great example of this within the Bible is 1 Samuel 25 25. Abigail, this biblical character, she was talking to David and wanted to honor David. So this is what she says to King David. Please pay no attention, my lord, to that wicked man, Nabal. So here's a person named Nabal. He is just like his name. His name means fool and folly goes with him. So here we have Abigail so talking about somebody's name. We have Nabal. And Nabal means fool or folly. And as we see here, names are important. They don't just serve as labels, but they also characterize people. Here we have a character named Nabal. Abigail's talking to David, telling David, hey, don't listen to Nabal. He's just like his name implies. Nabal, whose name means fool, he's a fool. See here, names mean more than just a label. It could characterize people. So Abigail said, this person whose name is fool, don't, don't waste your time with him. He's a fool. Nabal is a fool, just like his name. So names characterize people. We also have the Greek word onomata. Onomata. This Greek word is pretty interesting because it is translated in interesting ways. In Revelation 3, 4, 
You could see, yet you have a few people. The word for people that we see here in Revelation 3-4, the word for people is onomata. The same word that the Greeks used to refer to name. People, onomata. So, so for the Greeks, they, they saw that names were so connected to people that they wouldn't just refer to them as anthropos, although they would. Anthropos is like anthropology, is the, or the word that they use to refer to people. But they would also use onomata to refer to people because names were so connected to people. Super connected. It, it's like they were just saying the names of Sardis to refer to the people of Sardis because names and people were so connected in the ancient world. It's as if I said there are 60,000 names in Lodi. That would sound kind of weird if I did say that. It would just be like, what are you talking about? Maybe eventually you could deduce that I'm talking about that there are 60,000 people. Um, There's like 60,000 different names, different people. But we don't use it like that nowadays. However, in the ancient world, onomata, names, were used in that sense. Another way that names were used, and we kind of use it nowadays in this sense, we use names to talk about reputation. Um, if we talk about the names of certain people, like let's say celebrity, the name of a singer, if that person's name is so well known, it doesn't mean that people know how to spell that name. It means that people know of that person. They know the music. They know what the person is you know, known for, what the person does. And like if, you, if your name was great here in Lodi, people would know not exactly, oh, I know how to spell Elida's name, for instance, A-L-Y-D-A. That's not what we are conveying when we say Elida's name is known. We're conveying that she is known for her work or what she does in the town. And this is in relation to talking about reputation. So name is connected to also reputation. Mark 6, 14 is a clear example of, of name being connected to reputation. Mark 6, 14 includes the story of King Herod. He was the king during Jesus' time. And King Herod heard about this. Why did he hear this? For Jesus' name had become well known. So King Herod had heard about the ministry of Jesus, about Jesus' healing the sick, about expel, Jesus expelling uh, demons. King Herod had heard about this. Why? Because Jesus' name had grown. What does that mean? Does that mean that Jesus' name had gained more letters? No. Does, that, does it mean that people knew how to spell Jesus' name? No. It meant that the reputation, the popularity of Jesus' name, the popularity of Jesus' ministry, of him healing the sick, of him teaching. It was so well known that King Herod had heard of his name. 
So we have, okay, names in the ancient world. It talks about how it characterizes people, like Nabal. We, we also saw how names could be so central to a person that if, if you just say there are 60,000 names in Sardis, that means that there are 60 people in Sardis. And we also saw that names refer to people. Name could also refer to power or authority. Jesus, the name of Jesus, had power. And we could talk about it like, if I do something in the name of love, I'm sure many of us have done a lot of things in the name of love, things that we weren't used to doing. Um, We may typically do one thing, But then we do another thing because we are acting in the name of love. We do things in the name of love. Cops may act in the name of justice. They do things in the name of justice. They may stop you. Maybe they don't do it nowadays. But back in the day, they would say, stop in the name of justice. They, they, they probably just do it in the movies. I have never seen a cop say stop in the name of justice. But the point is that when they're saying that, they're not saying that, oh, somebody named justice told us to do this. Therefore, we're going to stop you. No, by saying in the name of justice, they're doing what they're doing under the power of justice. They may also say, in the name of the law, stop. Meaning that through the authority of the law, the authority that has been invested in me, stop. So as we see, in the name of love, we act out of love because this power, this authority that love has given us, we're acting upon it and we may act in a certain way towards people. So we see the name of love, we see the name of justice, we see the name of law. And during Jesus' time, and even nowadays, people say that they are doing things in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In fact, there were people, and there still are people, who say that they do healings, miracles in the name of Jesus. That they do good works, and they feed the sick in the name of Jesus, in the authority of Jesus. Matthew 7, to 23 gives us an example of people using the name of Jesus, saying that they're doing things in the power of Jesus, but they are actually not. Jesus is speaking in Matthew 7, 22. He's speaking on the Sermon on the Mount, and he is saying this. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy In your name, and in your name, drive out demons, and in your name, perform many miracles. So there are people who said they were doing things out of the power of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Name could also, as I mentioned before, refer to power. There are people who are doing things in the name of Of Jesus. But look at what Jesus said. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. 
Just because people say that they are doing things in the name of Jesus, in the power of Jesus, it doesn't mean that they are actually doing things in the power of Jesus. Just because they traditionally or habitually say in the name of Jesus, it doesn't mean that God is actually backing what they're doing. In fact, there will be a lot of people in the end times that say, we have been doing these things in the name of Jesus, but Jesus will reply, I never knew you. Doing things in the name of Jesus, doing things under the authority of Jesus is much more than just saying these words as if they were these magical words. It's actually being transformed by being with Jesus. Having authority and power in the name of Jesus consists of spending time with Jesus and allowing it to change our lives. It's not about saying these magic words after we pray or after we hope for a miracle, although we should say it. It's about actually having our hearts change and knowing Jesus and Jesus knowing us and acting in the power of Jesus. It's not just something we do out of tradition or habit. Doing things in the name of Jesus comes from knowing Jesus. And it comes from having our character change through the power of Jesus. Jesus just said, you evildoers, doers of iniquity, if these people were actually changed by the authority of Jesus, they wouldn't be evildoers. Matthew 6, 9 is a common prayer that we have all prayed. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Here we find name again, onomata. So we see that name could refer to power, doing things in the name of Jesus, doing things in the power of Jesus. And then here we say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Name could also refer to character, character. When we are praying that God's name would be hallowed, we're saying may your character, may what you are known for be hallowed. We want to honor our family. And we may say, I want to honor the name of my parents. What does that mean? That, I, that means that I don't corrupt or pervert their character or reputation. We want to make sure that our name is clean. Does that mean that our name doesn't have any dirt? It means, it means when we say that we want our name to be clean, it means that we have this character that is clean. We're referring to our character, to our person. So if we are praying, God, may your name be holy, hallowed. It's as if we're telling our parents, I want your name to be, I, I want to make sure that you, I keep your name clean, that I do nothing wrong that would corrupt your name. When we pray, hallowed be your name, we're telling God, I don't want to do 
anything that will corrupt your character or wrongly reflect your character. When we pray, hallowed be your name, we are committing ourselves to representing God well. Name. It means a lot of things, as we have seen. It could refer to characterizing somebody like Nabal. It could refer to people. It could refer to reputation and it could refer to power and character. And name is also very central to the presence of somebody. In particular, the Hebrew Bible always references God's name. It regularly does and and praises. And we still do it in our songs. Psalm 86, 12, I will praise you, Lord, my God. With all my heart, I will glorify your name forever. We praise the name of God. Because the name of God, yes, it is somewhat distinct from God, but yet it is connected with the presence of God. When we are saying the name of God, we're not referring to something outside of God, but we're referring to God himself. In fact, the Jews saw that the name of God was so connected to God that nowadays they just refer to God as Hashem. Hashem, which means the, ne- the name. When they refer to their God, they say, we serve Hashem. We serve the name. Because they see that the name is so connected to God. That if we praise the name of God, we are praising God himself. When we praise Hashem, when we praise the name, we are praising God. We are praising God just by praising God's name. God's name is central to who he is. But now, so we, we see this biblical treatment of a name. But how does it relate to Malachi? Or rather, how, how does Malachi relate to this name theology? What does Malachi contribute? Malachi 3.16. Maybe you remember this when we went over it last week. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other. And the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in the presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. Honored his name. So this Malachi tells us that a scroll was written for those who honored the name of God. God remembers those who honor his name. It's important to honor the name of God. Malachi, he contributes this idea of name. He contributes by saying that if you honor God's name, Remember, God's name is connected to his presence. If 
You honor God's name, God's character, God's presence, God's power. If you honor God's name, you will be written in the scroll that God will use in the end days to spare those who are righteous. If you honor God's name, you will not suffer the consequences of the unrighteous, but rather you will be saved. Malachi tells us that we are supposed to honor the name of God. Honor it with our lifestyle. Honor it within the church. Honor it, in his case, honor it with sacrifice and giving. Honor it within our relationships, with our spouse, with our friends, with our family, with our kindred. Honor God. We are supposed to honor God's name within the church, within the the four walls that we see here. When we sing, when we open God's word, we're supposed to honor God when we leave these four walls, when we go home, when we spend time with family and friends, we honor God when we go to work, when we go to school, when we spend time alone. We honor God's name. Honor means that we value, we, we esteem the name of God. We say, you are worthy, and it changes our lifestyle. It changes how we walk. We honor God by keeping his name inside of our hearts. We constantly think, we, we, we think about, about Yahweh, about God, about, about Jesus, and, and we keep him within our heart, and we value him because we recognize how holy he is. We, we sing, let us honor, let us, let's adore your name because he is so holy. And we do this through song and we do this by standing in awe. And when we do this, even though sometimes it might feel like no one is looking, that we, it might feel like you, the, that the those who are doing wrong, the wicked, that they are prospering. When we honor God, and it may feel hard to honor God because we're like, I wish I didn't have to honor God. I wish I just had to, you know, do things my own way because, you know, I just want to sin like the world and not live with this idea that God is holy, but let me tell you, it is worth it. Honoring God and just recognizing that there is a God who created the universe, the cosmos, and, and he deserves honor and, and he is present. Even if no one thinks that way, we should. And we will experience some of the blessings of honoring him in this world, but also... We will see that God honors us. He remembers us. We might feel like no one is seeing us, but God is actually writing in the scroll all those who honor his name.
So throughout this week, I encourage you, am I honoring God's name? Am I valuing God's name, God's presence, and God's power? I pray that you may think about it as we move forward. Next week, we will continue looking at what it means to bear God's name. But for right now, I just want you to think about, am I honoring, am I really honoring the name of God? Let's all pray. In this time, I I encourage you all to just stay in the the silence of the Lord and just honor him. If If you want to use words, that is fine, but just recognize his presence. He is here. We just want to honor him. We honor you, Father, in our hearts, in our minds, in our actions, in our words. We honor your holy name. You have taught us through Malachi that that name, that it's, it's worthy of honor. And I pray that this week we may demonstrate through our actions if somebody asks us we're ask us why we do a certain thing why we have a certain attitude we just reply we're honoring God's name if they ask us why are you honoring God's name let us reply because we value God we esteem God he is holy Pray, Father, that you may be with us and let us be more in awe of your presence, of your name, that today we may see the name not just as something we say out loud. We say Yahweh, we say Jesus. Let it mean more than just words that we say. Let it mean character let it mean power let us understand that name means more than just a label and let us be committed to representing your name father let us honor your name and let us be reminded that you remember those who honor you in jesus name we pray Thank you all for coming today. I hope that you were blessed and I pray that you may all go in peace and honor God throughout this week. We will be here next week at two and may you all be blessed in Jesus name. Thank you.